What I'd ask you to do me a favor, would you, as we start, I'd ask you to close your eyes for a moment, just for a moment, close your eyes, keep them closed, and as your eyes are closed and I say to you the word angel, what do you picture? So what just happened? Really? Is that really happen? Well, I think it would depend on who you ask, right? It would depend on what movie you were watching. In fact, some angels earn their wings. Some angels are born with wings. Some angels are in the outfield. Some angels tote shotguns. Some angels tote swords. Most Americans believe in angels. But if you were to ask most Americans what they believed about angels, I think their opinions, their beliefs would be as varied as the movies that have been made about them. And what's interesting is that even within the church, varying beliefs, and a large number, would deny their existence, would say angels are just fairy tale. The angels really don't exist. It's kind of silly, especially in our sensibilities in 2019, that we would still believe in angels. But 20th century theologian Karl Barth says this. He says, it is true, of course, that we can miss the angels. We can deny them altogether. We can dismiss them as superfluous or absurd and comic. If we cannot or will not accept angels, how can we accept what is told us by the history of Scripture or the history of the church or the history of the Jews or our own life's history? Where God is, there the angels of God are. Where there are no angels, there is no God. Karl Barth tells us the angels are real. And if you deny angels, you have to deny God because the angels are always in his presence. And so we want to turn to what God has to say and not what the movies have to say or art or what our neighbor has to say, but what God's word has to say. And God's word tells us that angels are real. In fact, there are over 200 verses in the Old Testament and New Testament that talk about angels, that teach us about angels, angel appearances. In fact, the writers of the Old and New Testament speak about angels like they speak about the air and mountains and grass as just a matter of fact. They don't defend them, they describe them and are not shocked by them, sometimes afraid at their appearances, but certainly not surprised. Because they have a, a view of God that's much bigger than the physical world. Angels are real, and the scriptures testify to them being so. So what are angels? That would be another better question to ask right now is, what are angels? Well, first and foremost, we see that angels are created beings. That God created angels. Now, we're not told when he created them, although theologians will tell you, scholars will tell you, there's evidence in the first verses of Genesis that possibly he created them when he filled the heavens with their hosts. But it's not definitive. But it is definitive from the scriptures that angels are created. Therefore, our deceased loved ones do not become angels. The best understanding of what our deceased loved ones will become, as well as us, is Jesus. 
When we are resurrected, we will be given new bodies as Jesus was given a new body. He is our example for what we will become in the resurrection, not angels. Angels are creation unto themselves, created by God for God's purposes. We also see that angels in their nature are spirit. The writer of Hebrews tells us they are spirit, ministering spirit, sent to serve us. They are primarily spirit in nature, servants of the living God, sent by him to serve us, sent from heaven. Their residence is heaven, heaven being currently an invisible place, a spirit-filled place. God himself is spirit, and the angels reside there, and he sends them into this world to minister to us, to serve us. And they are primarily invisible. But at times, we see from the text, they are made visible. God makes them so for our benefit. One such instance is found in 2 Kings, where the prophet Elisha is in a town, and the king of Aram comes to destroy Elisha. He's fed up with what Elisha has to say, and so he surrounds the town that Elisha is in with horses and chariots. In the morning, Elisha's servant goes outside, and when he goes outside, he sees all of the army of the Arameans around, and he's afraid, and he goes in, and he tells Elisha, he says, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And Elisha says to him, he says, wait a minute, don't be afraid. He says, the ones who are with us are greater than the ones who are with them. And then he prays this prayer. He says, oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the servant and saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. And he was no longer afraid. God made the angels visible to take away the fear of the servant. And we see that throughout the text, God's angels showing up to serve his people. Invisible form, oftentimes in the form of humans, something that we can relate to, not often with wings. When we see angels pictured with wings, we see them in heaven in Scripture, at God's side. When they appear here on earth, no wings. But that doesn't mean they don't have wings. So angels, primarily spirits, but sometimes visible, But what do angels do? What is it that angels are responsible for? How would we say what it is that they do? Are they guardians? Some would say that we have guardian angels. Well, we know that one of the characteristics of angels is that they are, in fact, guardians. We see that throughout the text. We see it in Elisha, that angels show up to guard and to protect God's people. One such story we see of God sending his angels to be a guardian is in Daniel. Daniel is thrown into the lion's den reluctantly by the king. And the next morning he goes back to the lion's den praying that Daniel is still alive. And he calls out for Daniel, hoping to hear his voice. And Daniel says, here I am. You know, the Lord, my God, sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. We see God sending his angels to guard over Daniel. We see his angels sent throughout the scriptures from beginning to end to guard over his people. So we can say that angels are guardians. 
But are they guardian angels? Do each of us have an angel watching over us? Interesting that Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 18, when talking about little children, he says, do not despise them. Do not look down upon them. Do not think of them less than. Because their angels see the Father in heaven, indicating that these little ones have angels. First and foremost, he's saying, do not despise children. Do not look down on them. Do not keep them from me. We must ourselves be guardians of these young ones. We ourselves, as parents, have been given to be guardians of our children. And so we should not look down upon them, keep the word out of their hand. We should put the word of God into their hand. That is his plan for them, for us to be guardians of them. But our angels, guardians. There's no definitive text in Scripture that says that we have angels from birth to death. But I don't believe it would be out of God's character to have it so. Angels are guardians. But one thing we know that angels are, one thing we know that angels do, is that angels are messengers of God. In fact, you could say it this way, angels, angel. That would be what angels do, they angel. They message the word of God. By nature, they are spirits. What they do is they angel. They share the good news of Jesus Christ. They share the good news of God with his people and with the world. They proclaim the truth of God. We see that at the birth of Christ. We see the angels showing up and saying, I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. For to you this day is born in the town of Bethlehem this son, this child. Angels are called to be messengers. They are called to angel to the world, the good news of Jesus Christ. And you and I are also called to angel. We are called to share that good news with the world, that Jesus Christ has come, that he has reconciled the world unto himself. And he has done so for the benefit of the world. So that all would come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, we are called to be angels. We are called to angel in this world. So angels are spirits, but they are also called messengers. They are guardians. And I would say also Scripture describes them as worshipers. From the beginning of time to the end of time, we see from Genesis to Revelation, angels worship. We see at the creation when God laid the foundations of the earth, the angels rejoiced and worshiped God. We see at the end of time, in the book of Revelation, in John's Revelation, in chapter 15, the angels once again worshiping God. John writes, Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million, just for those of you. It's a lot, just in case. They encircled the throne and living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praised and honor and glory and power forever and ever. 
the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Where you find angels, you find worship. And we see that they are never taking their eyes off of God, and they are continually praising him. Angels are worshipers of God. We can learn from angels that we, too, have been called to worship in all that we do, to never take our eyes off of him, to praise him in all circumstances, from the beginning of our life to the end of our life. We have been called to be worshipers. We have been created to be worshipers of the one true God. But one thing we must keep in mind, the angels are worshipers. They are never to be worshiped. They themselves are creatures. John, in his revelation, sees an angel, bows down before the angel, starts to worship him, and the angel's like, don't do that. Somebody might see you, and that would be trouble. Because only God is to be worshiped here. Only God is to be worshiped. The worship of angels is spoken against in Scripture. We are never to worship the created thing. Only God is to be worshiped. And so we can learn from angels what God has taught us from the very beginning. Worship God and serve Him only. Angels are an example to us. We also see that angels are ministers. The night in the garden where Jesus has been betrayed we're told that he prays, and it says that God sends an angel to attend him, to strengthen him. We see angels show up at his birth. We see angels show up and attend him when he was tempted from the desert. We see angels show up in the garden. We see angels show up at his resurrection. Can you ever imagine a time where the angels didn't have their eye on Jesus? Can you ever picture the angels not watching everything that he did and attending to his needs as God saw fit? The angels never take their eye off of Jesus, and neither should we. The angels are great examples for us. Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Angels do the will of the Father in heaven, and we are to look at them as examples, as how we are to live, to do their will, his, his will here, now, as in heaven, as the angels do, at God's bequest. We are called to be messengers. We are called to be guardians. We are called to be examples in this world. But here's an interesting thing. And I don't know if you've seen this text before, but not only are angels to be examples for us, but you know that we are called to be examples to angels? In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, this is what Paul writes. His intent, God, was, to, was that now through the church, through us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God's wisdom is revealed to angels through us, through his church. See, angels aren't omnipotent. They're not God. They don't know what God knows. God reveals his wisdom to them, and he's chosen to do that through his church. What must have seemed foolish by sending his son to be killed on earth, 
God reveals that wisdom because what Jesus did, what Jesus did, the love of Jesus brought people to worship the one true God. The love of God, the sacrifice of the Son, made worshipers out of fallen, broken, sinful people. And it's the wisdom of God that's revealed in that. You and I, as we testify, as we angel here on earth, we testify to the angels the wisdom of God. And so in this relationship that we have with angels, they are examples for us, but we can also encourage angels. How cool is that? What an amazing God we serve. When we understand the truth about angels, we see and angels reveal to us that this universe, the things that God has created are much bigger and deeper than we can ever imagine. And when we miss angels, when we take our eyes off of angels, it's not a very far step before we take our eyes off of God. And when we take our eyes off of God, we oftentimes do things that we shouldn't do. We find ourselves doing things that God never intended for us to do. You know, one such story is found the night that Jesus was betrayed. He's there, and, and these soldiers show up to arrest him, and Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers, and Jesus had to look at Peter. It's like, Peter, 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 not again, Peter. And he heals the man's ear, and he turns to Peter, and he says, Peter, do you not think I could call my father, and he would at once put disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Now consider this. A, Ro a Roman legion in that time would have been 6,000 men. Jesus is saying, my father could call down over 70,000 angels to defend me. Now think about this. We told in Isaiah chapter 37 that one night, one angel destroyed 185,000 Assyrians. One angel. Do the math. Over 13 billion angels. 13 billion casualties by over 70,000 angels. I think Jesus has it covered. But what we're, what we're told here is that Jesus went to the cross willingly. It wasn't because there was this vast army of soldiers that took him away. It was because he himself chose to put himself on that cross. Can you imagine? These legions of angels going, just say the word, just say the word, just say the word, and the word never comes. And we see God's love through the angels. Because he could have. He could have. But he didn't because of his love for you and his love for the world. That's why he held him back. And he revealed that wisdom to them after he rose. And he continues to reveal that through us. And he tells us, I didn't need Peter's sword then, and I don't need it now. See, when we take our eyes off of Jesus... We take our eyes off of the one true God. We take our eyes off of angels. We take our eyes off of Jesus, and we do some foolish things. We should never take our eyes off of Jesus. Angels are real. They exist. Scriptures testify to the fact. In fact, not just the scriptures, but 
experience tells us that. Billy Graham teaches us in his book on angels. He tells us this story about a man named John Patton. He was a missionary in the South Pacific. He and his wife went there on this remote island, and there were cannibals on this island, and they were surrounded one night by these cannibals, and they came to burn them out of their house. And he and his wife fell to their knees that night, and they prayed all night. And in the morning, they were still there. They were still alive. And they looked out the window, and all of, these tri- of this tribe, they were gone. They weren't there. And he says, a year later, this chief of that tribe came to faith in Jesus Christ. And he had a conversation with that chief. And he said, chief, you remember a year ago? <laughs> Do you remember you were here and you were going to burn my wife and I down with the house? He says, why didn't you? And he said, well, it's because all the men that were surrounding your cabin. And he's like, well, we had no men. It was just my wife and I. And he says, oh, no. He says, there were hundreds of men circling your cabin, looking like fire and carrying swords, and we were afraid, and so we left. God sent his angels. Do we have proof of that? We have testimony of it. We see testimony of it throughout Scripture. Maybe some of you have had those encounters in your life. Maybe some of you have experienced angels in your life. And it would not be out of the ordinary, not according to the Bible. We should never take our eyes off of angels, because when we do, we take our eyes off of God. John tells us at the very end, in his revelation in chapter 15, he says, talking about angels, they held harps given them by God. So angels play harps. So not everything in art is wrong, right? God gives them harps, and they sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways. King of the nations, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. When we gather together on the weekends, it's not just us that are worshiping. There are legions and myriads of angels that are worshiping with us. There are people all over this planet worshiping the one true God. And when we do, we join in chorus with the angels, worshiping the God who is true and good and just and loving. And we are called, as his children, to angel that good news to the world. We should never take our eyes off of angels, because when we do, we take our eyes off of God. May you always, always angel in the Lord God Almighty. Amen.